Hello, everyone, for another session engaging and exciting about naming in the AI age. This one's going to be a little different. I get to ask the questions this time of two of our millennial namers, uh, and they're going to give you some off-the-cuff or hopefully interesting answers. Um, so we'll get started, and this is going to be a little bit rawer than our normal podcast, which I actually think is a, a good thing. And since this is sort of the, the week before Christmas, we're hoping to leave you with a few gifts in the form of advice about naming or things that we've learned about naming that may, may be of interest to you or may help you in your naming journey. So my first question for Megan and Ashley is, why is it important to have you gals and people your age involved in the process as key decision makers, right? As someone that's actually coming up with the creative as opposed to just a staff or someone that's not necessarily in a significant a role. Who would like to answer that question? I'll kick us off, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think we have perspective as millennials. I, I mean, only for the millennial generation and we're just one millennial, right? We don't necessarily represent all millennials, but we get a pulse on our culture and what people are engaged in and how they engage on social media and just life in general. And so, you know, I can't speak for Gen Zers. I think it's also why it's super important that we pulse check our name ideas, you know, if the target market on that specific project is for Gen Zers, that we also bring in, you know, all the different generations that are going to be involved. But I mean, I'm thinking about to a couple of the things that I feel like I've had to educate you boomers on the team about. And um, one thing that came to mind for me is how much you guys love to put numbers, like to exchange letters for numbers, because it's got that edgy, trendy, hip, to use your word, Mike, vibe to it. But it, in my millennial opinion, you know, like instead of see you later, you would have the eight instead of the A, you know, in the word later. In my opinion, that's an outdated naming trend. And so I feel like there's been some education, you know, on that side. But yeah, what about Come you? On. Now, <laughs> a name like all for you, where you've got a four, select so all the number four and then you is such a cool name. You don't think that's a cool name? It was really cool in middle school. When I was in middle school, <laughs> that when texting was big, when texting first came out and I had my like, I don't even know what I had, Blackberry, T-Mobile. I had a bunch of different ones. I still have mine. You I brought it out the other day. Still? Yeah. Did you have a razor? My sister was like, what is this? Uh, I didn't, but my friends did. Yeah. Anyway, when texting first came out, Mike, yes, that was the trend. It is a little outdated now. Middle school was, you know, a while ago, but anyway. Mine was high school, but they had, I thought you had to pay per letter. So that made a lot more sense to me to put the four and the C and I didn't, it's, we didn't know what we were, what we were paying for. I didn't know what texting was back in the day. Um, for me, the English teacher in me cringes a little bit, the, the linguist aspect of it, of the numbers as replacement for words, but also, you know, adding a Z instead of a, an S at the end of a word, a, a plural word, those type of things. But I think maybe that's just a teacher millennial, not necessarily just millennial, but yeah, th those are some of the ones that I, I feel like, Ooh, I just kind of a little bit, and I'm sure the Gen Zers are probably looking at us like y'all like that what are you doing so who knows right right okay so it is important to have millennials on our team because they think about things very differently <laughs> than other age groups do like my age group so another question so when you think about naming 
what is an insight or two that you've learned and that you think might be interesting to the folks that are listening right now? You know, and it can be a funny thing. It can be just something that you thought was very surprising to you. But boy, that sure was important on that project or just for naming in general. Ashley, you want to start with that one? Yeah. So I think for me, I, I just thought it was all creative and it is, it is very creative, but not seeing all of the due diligence that you have to do on behind the scenes, I guess, like it's almost the people that create the stage and then you have the actors and it's like, the names are like these actors, but creating the stage, there's a lot of work that's done behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and so realizing that trademark is a whole, is a whole beast that I didn't even know was a thing. I mean, you just, I guess for my naive perspectives, you just go out and register it and then it's good. And if, if it's, you tweak a letter, I didn't know it was phonetically based. I didn't know all of, all of that. Um, also didn't realize the, the likelihood of confusion. If you're in a grocery store and you have two products that are not even the same product, but they're next to each other and they can be confused. So I'm learning a lot about that and the nuances behind that still, I feel like you'll never, it's, you'll never fully know, but I think I'm learning bits and pieces as I go. And the more I learn, the more I'm like, I really don't know anything about this, but this is ah. a beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I think something that I've really learned and I've always known this, but I understand the importance of it more and more as time goes on is context is everything when it comes to names. Um, so Taglines, adding a tagline to a name, thinking about copy opportunities that you can use with that name, um, thinking about brand mascot potential. Um, how can you potentially use your name as a verb? Play around with colors and fonts with the name. Really telling the brand story is imperative. You know, names by themselves are like newborn babies, just with a name tag on them. They're blobs, they're fragile, you know, they haven't grown into their name and there's no history or personality yet. And so I guess my insight or advice would be, you know, don't rule out names until you really consider them with some context around them. Dropping the names on a fake building or a business card, as we have learned, has been so helpful um, for us and our clients. Um, you know, basically take your name ideas on a date. Say it out loud. Pretend you're talking about this name on the phone, you know, with a potential customer and just wrapping that context around it can really help take a name that just kind of seems like meh, blah into like, okay, actually there's more to this than meets the eye, so. Make the name like Facebook official. Is that even the thing still? Do we do do we do that anymore? TikTok official, what are the Gen Zers I know what you're doing? talking about because I'm a millennial, but Gen Zers would roll their eyes. Yeah, make a name Facebook official. I don't know what the, you know, alternative- The equivalent be. of that would be now, the yeah. Equivalent would be, yeah. I think these are great comments, and this is going to be very politically incorrect. So I hope folks that are listening don't grimace. But to me, it's like the difference between a gal putting on her makeup and not putting on her makeup, right? And it was, so Holy. we've had calls. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. I mean, we've had calls, you know, where it's early in the morning and folks really aren't really to get on. And, and that's fine, right? That's just sort of the real you. But then we have a client presentation when the guys don't do this, I mean, at least the guys don't do this like you guys do, like Lucky the gals do. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's like, whoa, do we look good or what? <laughs> and it's it's the window dressing, it's the makeup, right? And the name means that same thing, right? That name without any of that sparkle and polish and face cream and the hair done right, it, it falls a little flat initially. But boy, once you see it the right way, big difference. So that that's certainly something that I think everyone can benefit from, especially when you're presenting names to the rest of your team, 
don't just give them the name, you know, or don't certainly don't send them just a list of names with this, the dumb question. What do you think? <laughs> You're not going to get the kind of answer that's going right. to be helpful. What's a lot more helpful is, you know, put some polish and some sparkle and some window dressing. I so think moving on that, to the next question. Well, Go ahead. before you finish, I think with that, trying to give an analogy of, you know, our world is now Zoom since COVID. And to me, it's the difference between someone not sharing their video and I just see their name on the little screen versus yes. seeing, seeing yes. the person's yes. face and, the, and all the, the, the visuals, the, the facial expressions, all that. It just makes it wrap so much easier. So I just want yes. to throw that out there. Yeah. Good point. Okay. So I don't care if you've got a hard naming project or a favorite naming project, but I'm just interested in, you know, what's one of the hardest naming projects maybe that you worked on and, and why was it hard and, and what did you learn from it or how did you overcome the difficulty or maybe what's one of your favorite naming projects, right? And why was it so much fun? So those can be two separate questions or you guys can, can deal with them together. Who would like to answer that one? Yeah, I have thoughts on both of those. So I actually think I shared this either a podcast ago or a couple of podcasts ago. I mean, I would say the more technical scientific industries are more difficult for me to name for, but I would say the thing that's hardest for me, and this is not really even specific to like one naming project that I remember or one industry. It's really when clients are convinced that they just need more names until they have that aha or eureka moment that hits those in general are the hardest projects for us because it's more about learning how to guide them or lead them to, you know, those top one, two, or three names. And that's where that context and rationale that we just talked about really comes into play. Um, because some people are just like, ah, I just, I don't have that feeling yet, you know, about this name. And it's like, well, you're not going to have the feeling until this thing actually comes to life. Well, until after you've probably decided on the name and it's a delicate balance of, of trying to still keep them happy, but lead them to a direction as the naming experts. So I would say those are the hardest projects for me. Um, a favorite naming project that comes to mind a couple of years ago, we had the honor of partnering with the vitamin shop. And if you're not familiar, vitamin shop, you know, carries this huge assortment of high quality vitamins and supplements and other things. And they were releasing this new line for women, which they said it's women from post-grad to post-menopause, you know, to help women of all ages and their tagline, they already, they had already chosen a tagline was love your brilliant self. Um, and they wanted the brand to really convey, you know, warmth, generosity, radiance, and kind of reflect a more, more passionate lifestyle uh, with that special focus on self-love and self-care, which is such a millennial thing. The, the terms self-love and self-care is such a big deal for our generation. Um, rather than kind of in the past, a lot of vitamins and supplements had this more like functional clinical benefit lead to it with, with the names. And so I personally love this project because it was going away from a lot of these clinical terms and names um, to something more aspirational. And of course, being the target of a naming project is always fun. It's always easier and fun to name for something that's targeted, you know, at yourself. Um, and the name that we gave them was True You. Really short, really simple, but it embodied exactly what they were going for. And it's been a huge success. And my mom even loves them and takes her True You vitamins every day. So that was a fun one. Nice. Yeah. I need to take more vitamins. The older we get, the more I realize I should have done this 10 years ago. You right. know? Yeah. Um, back in the Flintstone vitamins, I wish they made those flavors for millennials. That would be I great. Taste Nostalgic. Those right now. I remember yeah. the, I know. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it would be, I guess the most challenging part would be 
when I'm, I love feedback, you know, I am sign language interpreter, feedback on wrong signs, right signs, where do we want to go? Even feedback as a teacher on how to get better. And so for me, feedback is crucial. Like, I don't know how to get where I'm supposed to go if I don't know how you're feeling about it. And sometimes it's hard to gauge clients on that. And so when I hear crickets, not in my house necessarily, but when I hear crickets and I don't know where they want to go or how they feel, that just, it just makes me a little anxious, you know? Um, and so that's, that's probably the hardest part for me is I, when we don't have direction on where exactly to go or what you liked or what you liked about a name or what you didn't like about a name. That's, that's so hard for me personally on, on the feedback aspect. What, was what your... about something that you've enjoyed? Oh, I'm sorry, Megan, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what about a favorite? Do you have a favorite yet? Yeah. I'm still newer and I, I haven't been on a ton of projects, but for me, I love the wordplay aspect of things. Like, you know, we talked about, we've talked about Angry Orchard before and I wasn't on that project, but just knowing angry being representative of alcohol, being representative of the way the apples looked and, and just taking orchard as in the whole bulk of it all. And it could be any kind of fruit. I just love the wordplay of those two. And I think that really, I mean, that's the kind of stuff, like the sweet spot of, of naming that I think I would love to be more of a part of for sure moving forward. Yeah, I think in response to some of the things you guys have said, I think it's always a balancing act in terms of the number of names, right? So yeah. what we found over the years and decades is giving someone 30, 40, 50 names at a crack is too many. Giving someone three names is too few, especially initially, right? That giving a full menu of choices is really helpful because it's hard for any client to really articulate exactly what they want in a name. But once they see a name, boy, they can tell you. <laughs> and so we can talk abstractly about strategy and brand values and brand archetypes, which we do. And we think we understand, okay, here's a name that sort of delivers on all the messaging and the style and everything else that, that the client's after. And it misses the mark in their opinion, but until they see the name, they can't articulate why. And so that full menu of choices initially helps you know sort of provide the the gauge or the calibration then for refinement so we really like this idea of not endless names but a lot of names initially tell us what you like there may be a winner or two or three in there let us do a little bit more refinement and make sure make sure we've nailed it and i think that that has proven to be a very good solution and then i think the feedback and managing expectations is also something that's just super important. So one of the things that we do, and we've talked about this before, but it's worth reminding everybody, you got to take the negative off the table, right? You've got to prevent people from thinking about a name as a critic because every name's got problems. You want them to be the advocate. So by forcing folks to only think about what do you like, not what don't you like, that gets everyone thinking the right way. And you can still allow for that criticism towards the end of a call or presentation or meeting, but you always want initially to sort of put the names in that positive light. If you had to advocate for one, why? And what we found is something almost magical, right? That our clients will talk one another into the name, like if there are four or five people on their team. And before you know it, they're all pretty excited about names that two or three of them had some reservations about, and it would have killed the presentation had we allowed those reservations out on the table too quickly. So that's one thing I think that we've also learned too. Um, a different question 
we've talked, I mean, it's the whole title of this podcast is AI and we are a technology driven naming firm. And that's, that has set us apart from the eighties is that we've used technology to supplement human creativity, probably more so than, than any other naming agency in the business. And we continue to do so. And I know a lot of agencies have publicly talked about how, you know, AI is no substitute for human creativity and really dismissed largely the benefits with perhaps leaving the door open for what's coming up in the future. And we don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I don't think you're ever going to see AI truly being a replacement for a great creative type, a great namer that understands branding, that understands market strategy, all the nuances and subtleties and language and roots and sound mm -hmm. symbolism, especially when you factor in cultural differences around the globe, like we're seem to be doing all the time. But there's a place perhaps for AI right now. So I'd be interested in your guys' thoughts there, right? Like, have you used AI successfully or unsuccessfully? And, and wh what is your take on where we are today and maybe where we're going? Ashley, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. Um, I was always the old school teacher in me. I never wanted to use a smart board. I always wanted to use the chalkboard or the wipe off board. I'm just a little old school in that aspect. But then, you know, it's great if, if technology doesn't work, then you the kids are, aren't phased, you know, but I have been more keen on AI and embracing that recently. And I really have found that it's a great springboard for ideas. I don't think it necessarily replaces the creativity aspect of it, but it can definitely, especially if your creative juices aren't really flowing, it can be a good, a good catalyst for that. I think also for me, it's been really cool and seeing how I need to narrow down my focus on naming and on maybe even write-ups for presentations and stuff, because what am I trying at the prompt is really important. And if the prompt is unclear, maybe I'm not clear on what I'm trying to convey. And so, and if it spits out something and I'm like, I don't know, that didn't, that didn't really answer what I'm looking for, then maybe I'm not clear on what I need to do. And I need to go back and tailor that a little bit. So it's been a good kind of um, calibrating tool for me, I guess. I think also uh, just the way that it spits out stuff. I'm like, man, I didn't even think about that, but it allows for the creative aspect of, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that point, but I could put two of these similar points together and then make it work. So I think that's been super helpful in that, in my naming journey for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that AI is really only as, and to your point, Ashley, it's really only as good as the engineer prompt. Like mm -hmm. it is only going to be as good as I can put the time and the effort into writing a prompt to get out the information that I want. And so there's a whole level of learning. How do I even just put in good prompts? And that's, it's, it's not like you just stick in a Google search and then it spits out exactly mm -hmm. what you're wanting for. So there is a little bit of a learning curve. Um, it's definitely been helpful, as you said, as a springboard for ideation. Um, as far as other naming competitors, maybe dismissing AI, my thought to that is, you don't want to be a naming agency or a creative agency or really in any industry where you're just putting your fingers in your ears and singing and saying, ah, AI is not going to impact us. Like, it's not a big deal. We're just going to keep doing things the way that we've done it. Like, you definitely don't want to be a late adopter with AI. You want to see it as an opportunity, not as a threat. I love how our team has embraced AI as an opportunity. How can we make our create our human creativity even better with this, because I do agree, it doesn't replace human creativity, but it's, it's a supplement for it. Yeah. Yeah. So as a firm, you know, we are going to continue to lean into technology. I think that the pace of change 
and not just in AI. I mean, there's some other things that are happening in the way of, of new tools and the availability of tools and the ease of use that we would be crazy not to offer that value to our clients, right? right. So when it comes to name testing, we're using some pretty novel ways to assess reactions to names, which really has provided value to a lot of our CPG clients or consumer product goods clients. When it comes to trademark screening, it's sort of like peeling layers of an onion, which gets back, Megan and, and Ashley, to your the prompt quality and the iteration through prompts with AI is what really makes the difference. You right. can't just stop with that first prompt, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you prompt it, you see what it says, then you say, well, that's not really what I wanted. Here's what I want you to do. And, and you sort of go through that iterative and maybe down that fourth or fifth or sixth layer of the onion, you finally, finally start getting some pretty good stuff. Mm -hmm. And trademarks just like that, right? Tra trademark screening is so important these days. And it's something that a lot of our competitors sort of gloss over that, well, we'll do a certain level of that and then we'll pass it off to the, your legal. Or they may say, we'll do an exact match and that's it. Well, that's largely worthless. <laughs> I mean, an exact match creates this false sense of security and then you pass it off to the client's legal and a week or two later, no, you can't use that name. So we don't do that, right? We we spend a lot of time with, with some of the newest technology to really try to understand what's out there that's phonetically equivalent, that sounds similar and could still create that confusion regardless of how it's spelled. And, and not just in the category the client's most interested in, but in ancillary or adjacent categories. So it's a really heavy lift and it's not much fun. <laughs> we know it's not much fun, but it's so important because what'll happen if you don't do that is it's usually at the 11th hour and we get a lot of business listeners from folks that have done it this way. You know, that in the 11th hour, they've been waiting for their legal and they're up against a deadline. And sure enough, the name they thought they wanted or they could get, they can't get. And so now they call us up and say, well, we got a week left or two weeks left. What can you do for us? And we can do a lot in a week or two. And we do a lot of those projects. That's not ideal. Uh, we'd much rather have a little more time. The last question, though, before we, we end is just about the fun part of naming, right? What gives you the most most joy? You know, what what do you find? Hey, I really look forward to doing this or that aspect. Uh, Megan, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think in general, naming is so organic. And it for me, it provides this creative rush. You can't force creativity. I've tried to force creativity. You know, sometimes you can eke out a few things. You gotta, but it has to be this kind of perfect merriment in my mind. Like you have to find that sweet spot and you can't create it. It can just kind of happen. It can happen anywhere. We've talked about happening in your sleep. It can happen when I'm on my run or my walk or when I'm driving in the car. Uh, but when you're, when my mind has finally found that right creative pathway to go down or that just right root word or prefix and that creativity is flowing, for me, it provides this high that that's kind of addicting, truly. Um, so I love that there are no boundaries in naming. I also love coming up with taglines, um, going back to that context and building out the name. I love coming up with fun taglines. Um, but I would say the most fun thing is when clients love our names. That's an easy thing to say. But after you've done all this hard work, you've presented and they're like, oh my gosh, this was so great. We loved this. We love this idea. And you get that kind of affirmation that we've done a good job and we were on the right pathway. Like there's nothing better than that. Oh yeah. Especially when people haven't used an agency before and they're like, this yeah. is why, this is why we needed an agency yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say 
you know, I was a sign language interpreter. I'm still an interpreter, but I was for college. So I would get to go to all these college classes and you have to kind of know what things mean when you're interpreting these things. And so I would get to learn all of these different college courses that I would never take on my own. And so for me, I think it's a nice little parallel to naming because I get to learn about a lot of things that I would never Mm -hmm. research on my own, but I get to go and kind of learn almost like a jack of all trades kind of thing. Like I get to learn a little bit about a lot and I have just a little bit more of my repertoire about uh, being able to have conversations and network with people or just being able to relate with people about an industry that I may have never known otherwise. That's my favorite. Yeah, I think the fact that we as an agency do work across industries, Mm -hmm. all kinds of products, all kinds of services, all kinds of companies, domestic, regional, global, some companies that are global are in six countries, some companies that are global are in 130 countries, really adds for the richness and the enjoyment of each project because they're different. And you do sort of have to learn a lot about what's going on. And the fact that we do an awful lot of B2B work because yeah. um, we have sort of the technology backgrounds and in the engineering shops and the software and computer shops to understand that language and that lingo and where the industry is going. And then we, we sort of complement that with, on the consumer side, you know, understanding all the things that resonate in a more traditional retail environment. That brings some value to both sides, right? I think there's some, some learnings there that, that help the other side of the fence too. So great comments today, guys. And, and for all our listeners, we wish you a, a wonderful Christmas, wonderful Hanukkah, great holiday season. We will be back um, just after the first of the year with some more new cool fun stuff but thanks so much for listening bye guys